Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me. I hope this morning that you sang that not just as words in a song, but actually as the prayer of your heart. Oh, and think for a minute if God answered that prayer, that that Spirit would fall fresh on us. Whew. I want to dismiss the kids who are going to Children's Church. Uh, you are going with the Miriams, and you guys are going to have a lot of fun. Spring is great, isn't it? Springtime. Spring is great, isn't it? Thank you. Is it a different spring? Well, I don't know if it's a different spring than the one we've had this time, but spring has sprung. I love it when the trees start getting their, their leaves again. I, I like to see the flowers popping up. Even for those people with allergies, you know, it's still a beautiful time of year. Any given day, you can see... As you drive around, people who are working in their gardens, you know, maybe they're rototilling, maybe they're bringing in fresh dirt, maybe they're fixing sprinklers, perhaps they're sitting on the front porch planning what they're going to put in their gardens. You know the routine. About six weeks ago, my wife and I bought some very large garden boxes, and that's actually a picture of them. They are huge. Like, they're up to here. When you bring them in, and for the last five weeks, six days or so, they have sat empty in multiple different places in our yard. I had some, uh, some nephews and nieces, and, and uh, we had family in town, so they're now set up where they're supposed to be set up. We happened to go get a, a load of dirt and managed to fill three of them, and uh, Abby found some clearance plants at Fred Meyer, 50 cents a plant. So we planted them. And I am super excited for my garden boxes. Now, I'll be candid. I'm also a little bit apprehensive. Here's why. Before we put stuff in there, we also have flower beds and things that grow stuff. Week, uh, about a week and a half ago, my family went out and we weeded the front garden beds. Oh, man, it looked good. We stepped back. We enjoyed it for a few minutes. And two days later, oh, we had a bountiful harvest of weeds. So I'll be candid. I'm a little bit apprehensive about my, my garden boxes because I'm not sure what they're going to produce. Will they produce a lot of fruits and vegetables or will they produce weeds? Spring is great because it's growing season. So here's a question for all of us this morning. What is the garden of your life growing? What is the garden of your life growing? Have you ever stopped long enough to pause and think, when my end is come, if God so gives me the opportunity, when I look back on my life, will I look back on a string of broken relationships, career pursuits, stuff that really ended up meaning nothing, will I look back on my life and just see weeds? Or will I look back on my life and see a bountiful harvest of changed lives? of lives that have been impacted for the kingdom that have had a produce, a harvest of 30, 60, 100 times what God had planted. Which of those two do you want? I mean, if God gives you the opportunity, when you look back, do you want weeds or do you want a bountiful harvest? I I want the harvest. I want the harvest. And I think that the texts that we're going to look at today The texts both about Pentecost and leading up to Pentecost give us kind of this roadmap of of what we need to do to help lead toward that end, to help lead toward our lives being lives 
of fruit-producing, life-changing impact. Let's pray, and we'll jump into the text. Spirit of the living God, we do ask that you would fall fresh on us. God, I've been praying that this week. I've been praying that this morning, that we would not do a thing or say a thing without your spirit being the one moving and guiding and directing and speaking. God, that is my prayer this morning as we open up your story to us. Help us to see not only the history of the story, but how we fit into it. God, we're looking forward to what you're going to teach us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's talk about the harvest. Let's talk about the harvest of our lives. And we're going to dive into the story of Pentecost and see if we can't dig up, pun intended, okay, dig up the elements it would take for us to see this harvest. Now, I'm no gardener. I'm not a farmer either, but I do know that it, I do know some of the basics of basics of what it takes to grow a crop. We got five basics. Those are the blanks in your outline. The first is this: to grow a, co- a crop, you need seed, right? You need seed. Pretty fundamental, but that's what you need for those people who want their life to have any sort of meaning, who want their life to have any sort of kingdom impact, when all is said and done, I want to be bold enough to say that the only seed that matters is the seed of Jesus. It's the seed that Christ gives. You heard me read it three times already during the service leading up to this, but listen again to what he says in John 12, 24. Jesus said, actually in 23, he replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. What's the seed? It's Jesus. And we need that seed in our lives. Jesus said he had to die so that new lives would be able to be produced. So that new lives would be able to be ushered into the kingdom. That's what we want, right? When all said and done at the end of our life, we want to look back and see that. Jesus said that had to happen for him to be the seed to die. That's the crop I'm wanting to harvest. Yeah, that's the crop I'm wanting to harvest. And that's the seed that I know I need to focus on. Christ. So often as followers of Jesus. So often as, I'll just say this, so often as Christians we run the risk of planting something other than Jesus. You know, we might, it might be blasphemy, we might push free Methodism instead of Christ. We might push a specific political party instead of Christ and call it Christianity. We might push a specific understanding of of a passage of, of the Scripture. If it's not Jesus that we're pushing, then we're growing the wrong things. The seed that we must plant is Jesus, and Jesus only. I'm not a gardener. I'm not a farmer. But I know that to get a crop, we need seed. We also need soil. And we find this soil in John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, the climax of the festival, now this was the festival of shelters, Jesus stood up and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. 
Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Now, we're in this section, we're talking about soil. Now, you may think, wait, Jesus said something about thirst. Don't jump to the next line quite yet. We're talking about soil. For the harvest of our lives, we need soil. And I would argue that that soil is a willing heart to come to Jesus. It's a heart that's willing to say to Jesus, hey, I need what you have. I can't do this without what you will give. I need to actually take steps to come towards you. That's why Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to him. It's an invitation. He's got something to offer, but we have to first take that step and say, I'm going to offer you the soil of my life. Soil. Are you following me? Jesus would be planted in that soil. And if that's the case, we're looking at what's growing this morning. What's the garden of your life producing? We have a seed. We have soil. And the next necessary element for any crop to be produced is water. Water. Not just any water. John 7, 37 and 38. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. What scriptures is Jesus talking about? Was he talking about what the prophet Ezekiel said in chapter 47 when he talked about a river of healing? Was he talking about what the prophet Zechariah said in chapter 14 when he said, on that day, life-giving waters will flow from Jerusalem? Was Jesus talking about any of the other countless texts in the Old Testament that point towards water being uh, something that concerns the coming of God again, an expectation? Most times when I say the listeners in Jesus' day would have known what he was pointing towards, I don't say that today. I think that when Jesus said, for the scriptures declare, they could have thought of 10, 15, 20 different passages. Well, what's he mean when he's talking about rivers of living water? Now, luckily for us, we have a parenthesis in our, in our passage. Because the author of this gospel, John, who walked the streets of Jesus who saw Jesus do the miracles, who, who was one of the inner, the inner circle with Jesus, he gets to tell us what Jesus meant. Verse 39. When Jesus said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Water. It's the Holy Spirit that Jesus was talking about. And did you catch that it goes to anyone who believes in him? Anyone. That's what Jesus said. That's not me saying it. Jesus said that. He's the seed. We're the soil. And if we want water, we just believe. And he gives it to us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. What's the garden of your life growing? We've looked at a seed. We've looked at soil. Let's keep talking about water a little bit because John said the water hasn't arrived yet. You know how it works in a vegetable garden. You plant a seed. You may pull some weeds. You may till the soil a little bit. You may add some water, but you don't make the seed grow, do you? No. 
God does it. It's God's work. It's God's job. It's the Holy Spirit's work in our lives to produce the crop that he wants to produce. God makes it grow. But see, in John 7, 39, John said the Spirit hadn't arrived yet. Well, fast forward a little bit. John chapter 20, the faucet gets turned on. John chapter 20, verse 19 begins that Sunday evening. Now, that Sunday evening, to put it in context, was the evening of the morning that Jesus was resurrected. Okay? So in the morning, he was no longer in the tomb. That evening, this happens. John 20, verse 19 and through 22. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then, verse 22, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. John 7, the Spirit hadn't arrived. John 20, it arrives. And it's poured into the lives of those who walked closest with Jesus. It's poured into their lives behind locked doors with no crowds, with no fanfare. You know, it's interesting because a lot of people forget verse 22 when they start thinking about the arrival of the Spirit. They think of Acts chapter 2 where there's mighty rushing windstorms and, and there's the sound of, of there's, there's those sounds and there's fire coming and landing on people's heads. They think that was the time the Spirit arrived. It wasn't first time the Spirit arrived was behind locked doors. That was the water that those disciples needed. They had a seed. They had soil. They were given water. So what's next? What else in our lives needs to to happen for a crop to be produced? What element is next? Time. Time. And time is what happens in our text. We jump to Acts chapter 2, the typical Pentecost text. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 begins, On the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost. Think with, we, think with me for a moment. The Holy Spirit was given on the morning that Jesus, or the evening of the same day that Jesus was resurrected, okay? A couple of days after the official Passover meal. How long between that day and Pentecost? Roughly. You know, there's a lot of fun Jewish history in here that we could look at. There's a lot of talk about festivals and and great feasts. I'll save you the figuring, though. Most people believe that there was about 50 days between when the Spirit arrived and Acts chapter 2. 50 days, that's almost two months. Time had passed since the Spirit was given. What was going on during that time? What was the Spirit doing in the minds and the hearts and the lives of those disciples who had been given that living water almost two months before? What gentle whispers was the Spirit speaking into the ears of the disciples? What courage was he growing in them for what was going to take place in the days to come? What was he doing beneath the surface of the gardens of their lives that he was preparing to to burst forth? What was going on? Time was passing, and the Spirit of God was growing 
something in those disciples. He was preparing them for something. And I would say that something is the fifth element that we need. We've looked at a seed. We've looked at soil. We've looked at living water. We've looked at time. And finally, we get to the harvest. We get to what God was doing in the lives of those disciples. He was preparing them for the harvest. For Acts chapter 2, the sound of a mighty windstorm, the, the tongues of fire coming and resting on people's heads, Pentecost had arrived. Well, as Tim mentioned right before the offering, it wasn't called Pentecost. The disciples weren't gathered for that to take place. They didn't know that was going to happen. They were gathered for a festival called the Festival of Weeks. The Festival of Weeks. Here's what we know about that festival. It was a pilgrim festival, which meant by law, every Jewish male who was above 12 had to journey to Jerusalem to take part in this festival. Okay, The Festival of Weeks was also a holiday. There was no work done on that day. School was out. The shops weren't open. It was time for a party. Now, there was also, as prescribed by the law, certain celebrations, sacrifices, and offerings that needed to be given to God on that 50th day after the Passover. On this day, the high priest would take two loaves of freshly baked wheat bread. Freshly baked wheat bread. And he'd offer them to the Lord. The wheat bread was made from the harvested wheat that they just harvested. Think back with me about 15 minutes. What type of kernel did Jesus say would be planted before it would produce a bunch of new lives? A wheat kernel. Acts chapter 2, the disciples show up to celebrate this festival of weeks. They're celebrating the harvest of a grain, and yet what happened was an unexpected, unplanned for, and different harvest. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. On the day of Pentecost, the festival of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. There was a sound of a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where the people were sitting. Then they looked, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem and Jews from all over who had traveled there. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and, and Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful thing God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. The harvest just arrived. It just arrived. And did you catch what it looked like? Was it just good God-fearing Jews from Jerusalem? 
No. It was people from all over. All over. I mean, let's see if we can go through them again, okay? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya from around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans, Arabs. They all heard God's message spoken in their own language, and the harvest was being kicked off. The harvest that Jesus had talked about in John 12 saying, I die as a wheat kernel and a new harvest is produced. This is taking place. Lives impacted, changed, pushed towards Jesus. The disciples had gathered to celebrate a harvest of wheat. And what they got was something completely different. They had a seed. They had soil. They had water, that living water that had been given to them 50 days prior in a fresh dose before 9 a.m. on Pentecost morning. And now what they were seeing was the harvest. So often we say, this is the kickoff of the church. This is the kickoff of harvest. And a harvest that is still being taking place today. Now listen, Peter told the story. He saw these crowds gathering around, confused, bewildered, and he told them the story of Jesus. And you know what happens. Verse 41 of chapter 2 in Acts. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. Verse 42. All the believers then devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. In verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This was not a one-time harvest. This was something that was going to continue for a long time. In fact, it is still going on today. That's why I'm asking you, what is the garden of your life growing? And are you taking part in the harvest? Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus told his disciples before sending them out, the harvest is great, But the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. You are those workers. So what is the harvest of your life producing? When the disciples got to the end of their lives, and most of them knew it was coming because I think uh, 10 of the 12 were martyred, okay? When they got to the end of their lives, I would bet that they looked back and they thought to themselves, I wish I could be here longer to do more of this. I'm so excited to be able to go see Jesus right now. But they thought to themselves, we've produced a harvest of changed lives. They didn't worry about producing weeds. They saw what God had produced in them. A seed, soil, water, time. And it was time for the harvest. So the question comes to us, Now what? Now what? What do we do with this? Well, I've been asking you, what's the garden of your life growing? And what I'd love for us to do is take a hard look at what we're producing. When you look around your life, are you producing fruit? 
Or are you producing weeds in your own life, in the life of your family, your loved ones, in the lives of those in your sphere of influence? What are you producing in other people's lives? Listen, I am not saying that you should be disappointed with anything less than you bringing 3,000 people to Christ in one day. I am not saying that you should pray for a mighty rushing windstorm and tongues of fire landing on your head. I'm not saying that you should pray to be able to speak in different languages. If God gives you those gifts, by all means, fantastic. I think that that was what was needed in that day. That was what the first Pentecost needed. Because you're in a city surrounded with people of all sorts of different languages, and they needed to hear it. But what if, instead of dropping a fireball on your head, God dropped a soccer ball in your life? And he gave you the ability through sports, through the Holy Spirit, to produce a harvest in other people's lives. What if instead of dropping tongues of fire that enabled you to speak other languages on top of you, he gave you the ability to speak the language of the people that's right next to you? And not just to speak it, but to listen to them as well so you can connect with their soul, you can hear their soul. And what if through the power of the Holy Spirit, that is your Pentecost? What if? What if God gave you the skills, the knowledge, the schooling to be able to heal? Maybe you're a nurse, a CNA, a doctor, a counselor. What if you're a teacher? What if through the power of the Holy Spirit, God said, I want you to produce harvest through what I have given you? What if? Are you getting the picture? What if we shouldn't be praying for a big old thing like Acts 2, but we should be praying, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me today and let me produce fruit for you with what you have given me. Can you imagine the bountiful harvest that would be produced? Here's my take-home point. Go home, and outside of your normal devotions, ask Jesus, what's growing in my life? What's the garden of my life producing? Look at the crop that's growing in you and others because of you. Will you be pleased with what's being produced? Will God be pleased? Look, God has given us the seed. We know that. Jesus is the seed. You're the soil. Have you come to him and said, I need what you offer? I can't do this alone, but I need you. Only you can plant your seed in me. If you've done that, great. If you haven't, today's a good day to start. Great day to start. Jesus, I'm willing. I'm ready. Here's the soil of my heart. Till it up. Plant yourself in me. And while you're at it, could you give me the spirit that you promised? As believers, we're promised that it was given to us. You don't have to wait for mighty windstorm and and fire. You've got it. It's in you. And more likely, a lot of us have been following Jesus for a lot of years. So the time has already taken place. What's the Spirit been doing within you? And now is the time for harvest. I am confident of that. i got to believe that part of that harvest is grilling and chilling this summer. And the other conversations that you're going to have today and tomorrow and the next day. What is the harvest of your life producing? Is it things like love, joy, peace? Patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, those are the fruits of the Spirit. 
Are you staying connected to the true gardener? Jesus said in John 15, 5, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What are you doing with the time that God's given you? And are we ready to harvest? Here's the hard part about harvest. Harvest means going. Harvest means going. So often, we, you know, we're praying, God, give, give me the Holy Spirit. Fill me. Grow me. Right? And then let me just enjoy it. Mm. No. When the disciples were given that fresh dose of the Holy Spirit, they had time, 50 days, for it to grow. They were given the fresh dose of it. Did they just stay in the upper room in their holy huddle saying, Oh, Spirit, that feels good. Would you keep me away from the evil that's out there? Did they say that? No, they went out. And what happened? Harvest. Harvest happened. This week, the application point is this. Sit down with Jesus and say, what's growing in my life? If he points out some weeds, pull them. It's painful, but pull them. If he points out some fruit, tend it, water it. Continue to work the soil. I want to see a harvest produced. And I believe that this church is about to take off because God is doing some work. Will you join us in that work? What's the garden of your life producing? Let's pray. We have sang and prayed already. Jesus, that your spirit would fall fresh on us, and I don't think we can pray that enough. Because it is your spirit in us that grows the fruit that you want to produce, leading towards a harvest. We thank you for the seed that's already been given. We come to you this morning, having done a little tilling of our own soil, but asking you to, to break up the hard grounds of our hearts that needs more breaking up. We ask that you would water us, living water, with the Spirit of God. And we invite him here. Fully recognizing that he's already living in us, that he's already all the way around us, but we invite the Spirit of God to fall fresh on us again today so that a plentiful harvest of new lives that are being changed and impacted and pushed and redeemed and restored towards Jesus takes place. Lord, that's the, that's the produce we want. That's the harvest we want. And we can only do it with your help. We will not go forward, Jesus, unless you, as your spirit, is pushing us forward. So fall fresh on us again. Then move us so that we can produce the harvest you want for your kingdom to grow. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.